Faculty development is often done in isolation on a single campus, school, or institution. In this episode, we discuss one initiative that has brought multiple campuses together to share, reflect, and learn together and from each other. Thanks for joining us for Tea for Teaching, an informal discussion of innovative and effective practices in teaching and learning. This podcast series is hosted by John Keane, an economist, and Rebecca Mushter, a graphic designer. Together, we run the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at the State University of New York at Oswego. Our guests today are Jody Robeson, Brandon McIntyre, and Margaret Shippey. Jody most recently served in the role of the director of the Institute for Academic Excellence at Indian River State College and has now joined the Association of College and University Educators, or AQ, as an academic strategy consultant. Brandon is the director of e-learning at Florida Gateway College, and Margaret is the director of faculty development and classroom engagement at Miami-Dade College. They have all participated in the professional development programs offered by AQ, and have partnered with their colleagues, Michelle Levine at Broward College and Steve Gristofan at Santa Fe College to create the Coffee Shop Network for Professional Development. Welcome, Jody, Brandon, and Margaret. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. We're glad to talk to you. We've been talking about this for a while. I'm glad we could finally arrange this. Today's teas are... Are any of you drinking tea? I'm drinking tea, and I drink tea every day. It is my beverage of choice, and I drink wild sweet orange. That sounds good. It's very good. With a little bit of lemon. My tea comes in the form of soda, and I am getting my daily caffeine fix because it is almost five o'clock, and I am drinking a Pepsi Zero Sugar. I'm with Brandon on the soda bandwagon, drinking a Diet Coke. At least you didn't come in with the coffee. That's all I'm going to say. Really? I could (laughs) have. Oh, do you have coffee shop mugs? Is that what you just held up? Yeah, it is. We all have our own coffee shop mug. And it's funny because we discovered probably about four or five months after we created the coffee shop that there was only one of us who actually drank coffee, which is Margaret. The rest of us do drink tea. They let me stay on. But as long as you clean the cups really, really well, you can still use the coffee shop mugs for tea. Absolutely. We've tested them with a lot of different content. <laughs> and that could help clean them too. My tea is a ginger peach green tea today. Back on your regular wagon, huh? And I am too. I have my English afternoon tea today. Nice. Those both sound tasty. They do sound delicious. It's one of my favorites. I have it very often here. Could you tell us a little bit about how your participation in AQ helped lead to the creation of the coffee shop? vision of faculty working together across disciplines and getting out of their silos at my college. The first two years I was facilitating classes and I brought faculty together in these live sessions and they love to hear each other. I had a vision of faculty working together across disciplines and getting out of their silos at my college. And the first two years with AQ, I facilitated courses and I offered live sessions for faculty to come together and to hear different perspectives. And they loved it and they were clamoring for more. And I kept trying to think, how can I get more of this opportunity for faculty to come together and hear their colleagues? And I really wanted to go ahead and get beyond IRSC and the different disciplines here. 
During the pandemic, I was asked to facilitate some courses in North Carolina. And as I was reading the profiles of the courses I was covering in North Carolina, I saw a lot of similar interests and a desire to hear the perspective from different faculty across the college and to hear from faculty at other institutions. And when I started thinking about that, I reached out to Dr. Barbara Rodriguez with AQ, who was my contact and who worked with the other four individuals with the coffee shop. And I shared my crazy idea and she went ahead and loved it. And she sent out a message on a Friday evening to four people that I had no clue who they were. And then on Saturday morning, I sent this random email about my idea and how I wanted to come together and that I thought that when we come together, we are even better. I think we do amazing work independently, but I felt strongly that if we could come together and unite, we could really go ahead and come up with something amazing. And I sent out an email and they all responded to me by Monday morning. And here we are almost a year later with our coffee shop team. But Brandon and Margaret, do you have anything that you wanted to add? It was a really unique dynamic. As Jody said, none of us knew each other or really anything about our institutions when we were assembled. I always say it's kind of like going on a blind date. And Barbara at AQ was our matchmaker. We were strangers in the night who met each other and we connected. And this connection has been really good. It feels like we've worked together for a really long time. The meetings always have very detailed and robust discussion. We always laugh a lot and we support each other. A lot of times in our meetings, we actually present problems that we are currently having and we help each other professionally in solving those problems. I always look forward to our weekly meetings because we get a lot accomplished and we enjoy each other's company. I would just add that the one thing that we remark about on occasion is that we bring a diverse set of strengths and that's just been serendipitous. We have a mix of tech skills and event planning and logistics and everybody has their contribution. And we have a core set of skills that we overlap in, in the sense that we do faculty development, but then we all have our own sort of angle on it too. So that's just strike of luck. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and add in that Brandon nicknamed us midway through the year, the dream team. We're not quite like the 92 basketball team, but we're pretty good. (laughs) I'm Michael Jordan. What are you talking about? Before we get too far, can you describe what the coffee shop is? We have a variety of offerings, but I'm going to go ahead and ask Margaret and Brandon each to talk about the different things that we offer with our sessions. We started off with webinars, and we've offered eight webinars over the last academic year. And the webinars bring together faculty presenters that are AQ credentialed, or maybe they're in the middle of taking their AQ training, and they share their own take on some of the strategies that they have picked up from AQ. And then the participants come into the webinar experience, hear the presentations, and we have a discussion around that. We grab themes from the AQ content. Helping students persist was one of our topics. Effectively engaging underprepared students. So this is AQ language and it's higher ed language too, but it definitely comes from AQ. And we send out a call for proposals at our institutions. That's where we find our presenters, Jody named baristas. So that's where our baristas come from. And in the webinars, we've had two each time and they share their own take on this same theme. And after their presentations, we take Q&A through a chat and then we move into breakout rooms. That's where that cross-discipline, cross-institution dialogue can really take place. 
And then we come back out and do a closing with some coffee bean takeaways. So we decided that we wanted to have a different approach as well, because these webinars are an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes long by the time you get done with the Q&A and the breakout sessions. So I came up with the idea of doing something in addition called the espresso shot. So these webinars are like getting a big urn of coffee, and then this espresso shot would be a shorter jolt. So we're looking at these espresso shots as a one-hour event, and the way it's set up is we'll have four to five speakers who present information that people have already gotten beforehand. And I'll explain that in a second. So after we get the short little demos from each person, we break out and discuss the topic and then get back together and talk out as a group, and then we dismiss. So we actually have done one espresso shot so far, and it was on welcome videos. So we send out a flyer to try to get people to join our presentation, and in the flyer, we had the four baristas with their welcome video link. And we asked the attendees to watch the video before going to the presentation. So each of the four baristas essentially spoke for three to four minutes each about what their thought process was in creating the video, what type of technology they used, etc. Then in the great breakout groups, we talked about those videos as well as what we do in our own classes. So we attempted to do this espresso shot as a quick-hitting, engaging conversation We felt that it's a success and it's something that we want to do more often. In fact, we're going to do another espresso shot on Wednesday, July 28th, and it's also going to be about welcome videos. I would just add to that, and Brandon described it, but it's a flipped model approach. So it's modeling for the participants a different way of learning. What they're talking about and suggesting in AQ, we really try to incorporate those practices and what it is that we're doing as a group and that is definitely being presented by our baristas. Speaking of which, can you talk a little bit about how your breakout rooms are structured? We go ahead and split into breakout rooms with probably anywhere from three to five individuals in each one of the breakout rooms. And then we have guided questions that when you go into the breakout room, you are designated as a specific box. So if you're box five, it's in a Google Doc form and everybody in your group is responding and adding information in this box, talking about what it is that they heard and learned and how they're going to use it or a different twist that they have related to whatever the subject was for that session, whatever our theme is for that, whether it was the webinar or the espresso shot. And they're about 15 to 20 minutes long. And I will tell you, most of the time we get faculty saying it wasn't enough time to talk. So one of our webinars was actually on engaging synchronous sessions. And one of the professors actually did what Jody said, which was he gives his lecture and he creates a Google Doc in which students can write notes. And so everyone is collaborating on the same document at the same time. We thought, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. And we actually added that component, as she said, to our breakout groups. So instead of having different groups talk about something, then come back, you're spending a lot of time spinning your wheels and talking about the same sort of topic. Each group then writes notes on what they've learned, how they can apply it, 
and then we can give all of the attendees all of the notes that they've taken, which are great ideas from every group. So the breakout groups are effective in dialogue, but they're also effective in the document that we send people afterward. We've done a number of collaborations with other campuses. We've been running reading groups on our campus for several years now, and I think on at least three occasions, we brought in some other campuses. And one of the things that faculty who participated have really appreciated is the diversity of opinions that come from people in different departments at different institutions, where they bring very different perspectives. For example, we had a reading group a couple years back on small teaching. And one of the participants was in a nursing program, which is a program we don't have on our campus. But some of the things he brought to the discussion were very useful that were picked up by people in disciplines who would not have considered those techniques if they hadn't heard it from that perspective. Has the collaboration among the institutions done something similar with the coffee shop discussions? Definitely. We do see that in the chat, the questions that come in, the comments that come in. Sometimes they reflect the discipline or the institution of the person who's making the comment or asking the question. And we see it a lot in the breakout rooms. They are formed randomly. I'll let Brandon talk about the breakout rooms, but I think that that's an important part about it because, like you said, you could have a criminal justice faculty member in there with an English and math and nursing. So that does lead to that rich discussion. Just to further go with what I just talked about with the breakout rooms is that they're about 20 minutes long. They're randomized, as Margaret said, individuals from different backgrounds, from different disciplines with different institutions come together and they talk about those topics. The best part about the breakout groups, though, is many times these individuals get each other's contact information during these breakout sessions because they either want to further discuss this outside of the coffee shop, or perhaps they want to connect someone with a colleague of theirs. So that's been a very valuable component of them as well. It really has opened a lot of doors. We have this connection in the chats and the breakout rooms. And then we have these additional emails that we get afterwards where we actually have individuals from different institutions reaching out and saying, can you go ahead and connect me with somebody? And when I get that, I reach out to my coffee mate and I let them know I'm going to go ahead and reach out to your presenter and do a virtual introduction and then set them on their way. So that's happened a good half dozen times maybe now. I've also seen a lot of people who, when they hear someone present, follow the presenter on Twitter. And that's led to some other connections where people have formed a web of connections that go far beyond just the institutional networks that people are used to interacting with. So I think we've seen something similar in terms of the benefits of collaborating. Currently, it sounds like you have the coffee shop set up so that it's five campuses that are collaborating. And is that who's invited to each of the coffee shop? It's limited to those five institutions and it's a closed network? It's not closed. We started with the five, but through Jody's connections and relationships with other institutions, and I'll let her speak about it, we were able to reach into other states. Jody, you want to talk about that? I believe we've had representation from around 13 different states, but as Margaret indicated, we wanted to start small. We came together, we didn't know each other, but we meshed really well. And for our first session, we did invite just faculty from our institution, but after the first session, we started throwing it out there and inviting other individuals. I've been fortunate to sit on several SACS assignments, Southern Association of College Accreditations. And I've met a number of administrators over the years, so I shared it with them. And I'm friends with a couple other presidents. And I also have attended some Frontier Set meetings and shared it with colleagues I've met on the Frontier Set calls. So we were able to go ahead and get representation from California, Texas, Delaware, Illinois, Jersey, 
up and down the East Coast and West. So we've grown and we're hoping to continue to grow. Yeah, like Margaret said, we knew that we had a good idea, but having a good idea and executing it are two entirely different concepts. So when we first started this, it was fairly scripted and we knew that we didn't want to take it interstate until we had what we felt was a decent product. And that took us several different sessions, a lot of brainstorming, and sometimes we restructured what we did. But it took four or six months for us to get to the point where we felt like we were ready to get out of that pilot stage. And the first time we did that, Jody had brought up saying, should we invite an additional institution from the state of Florida? And we actually had a good debate saying, oh, are we ready to do that? We're not sure. And now we're in over a dozen states. So it's been a really organic growth, and we're excited about where this can take us. And you also share recordings of the webinars in a YouTube channel. So we will share a link to that in the show notes so that the reach goes beyond the schools that are actively participating. One of the things that we've seen generally, but even more so during the pandemic, is the need for professional development, but the limitation of resources, time, staffing, and just the opportunity, etc. How has this and AQ helped fill in some gaps or support the work of professional development on your campuses? We, as an institution, are actually capitalizing on all the amazing work that's being done across the country and trying to bring it to our institution. Whether we're using this information to train our faculty directly or to come up with ideas for internal professional development opportunities, referencing ideas that we've seen in these workshops in conversations with faculty, or simply sending links to the coffee shop presentation videos on YouTube. Our faculty are getting different and unique opportunities to engage directly with the coffee shop, which then engages them with content from AQ. I'll add to that to say that for Miami-Dade, AQ has become a standard offering. It's always available on a regular basis. Faculty know to expect it. And we've been using this course offering probably for about five years now. Pre-pandemic, we used to remark about the hallway conversations that would come out of these sessions, even though they're digital and AQ is a virtual delivery mode and all interaction happens over the web, which helps us as an institution because we are a multi-campus institution and it's asynchronous as well. So you can connect on your own schedule from your own location. And because of that, it gives you the chance, going back to the cross-disciplinary conversations, it allows you to meet people that you would probably never have They just don't have the same schedule as you to get into the training with them. And so now you're in the training and now you're learning some common knowledge base and there's a common language now around pedagogy at the college. And it's exciting to see that grow even more in the coffee shop. Yeah, and I would say AQ at our institution has been huge with our faculty at University College in my previous position. And they really took a hold of this and commented about how it was the most amazing professional development they have had and transformative in what they're doing in the classroom. Most importantly, for supporting them, but also to support their students as well to be successful. AQ has been huge in New York State College. The ability to go ahead and tap into faculty and to support the coffee shop has really provided our faculty at each one of our institutions an opportunity to go ahead and hear from these experts 
or as I say, a twist on something that they learned in AQ, a unique twist. And I personally get a lot of contact from our faculty or from the faculty at University College. They shared how much they appreciated keeping the finger on the pulse of what was going on and supporting them in the classroom. So great opportunities for discussion and to build from there. Do you see the coffee shop model as being something that other institutions should think about collaborating on a similar kind of structure as a way to support faculty? Or do you see the coffee shop itself as being a way to support additional campuses? I think we are a way to go ahead and support additional campuses. And I think my colleagues would agree with me on that. But I also think that this pandemic has provided this opportunity for us to go ahead and reach out to other institutions. So I will tell you that while I've shared and talked about the coffee shop and what we're doing in other settings, I just randomly reached out to an individual, Dr. Michelle Cantu-Wilson at San Jacinto Community College. And I said, hey, would you like to get together and do a book club, collaborate on a book club? I would encourage people to go ahead and do more of that. I'd encourage them to get involved in what we're doing here. The five of us have talked about doing different things. I think that we are a forum for other individuals across the country. We certainly hope to grow. I would agree. And I would just say that we as institutions have learned so much about how to connect virtually. Yeah. I think there's a lot more confidence in what we can do leveraging what we've learned over the last year and the tools that we have now. We had been offering online attendance at all of our workshops for about a decade or so now. The tools have certainly gotten a lot more powerful and much more stable and reliable, mostly. But one of the things we're wondering is with the pandemic, faculty got used to attending virtually. And I think we've all seen a lot more attendance because there's been more demand for professional development and people have just gotten more used to the tools and more comfort with the tools. Do you think that's going to continue as we move back into what we hope to be a post-pandemic fall semester? So I would be under the opinion that most people who worked remotely for the last year got pretty comfortable doing it. There's no commute. You don't have to worry about traffic. And it's very easy to attend. To me, it's all about the travel part. You don't have to worry about the difficulties of getting from one place to another. So from my perspective, as Margaret and Jody said, people in the last year became less technophobic because they were forced to use these systems, these programs. And as a result, I think everyone is more open to using technology effectively to meet. I know that I'm in transition between these two positions, but Indian River State College hires faculty from outside of the local area. So where's this professional development opportunity for them? And this forum, again, is just as Brandon said, they don't have to commute. So we have people that are joining us from Texas and from other states. I think there's maybe times where people will want that live offering, but I think this is something new and something people have taken advantage of and I think have finally feel comfortable with this new approach. I also really appreciate that it feels very collaborative and supportive across institutions rather than always so competitive. I think maybe prior to the pandemic, we might be more in our silos because we want to keep to our institution or support that momentum. But what we've seen during the pandemic is a strong desire to support all learners across all institutions and to work together to do that rather than thinking necessarily in our individual institutional silos. Absolutely. 100%. Could you tell us a little bit about what the coffee shop has meant to each of you at your own institutions? 
Well, since we've started these meetings about a year ago, every faculty member at all of our institutions is invited to attend. And faculty members, both full-time and adjunct from every one of our institutions, are attending these events. And we think that's especially important for adjuncts because adjuncts generally aren't given the same opportunities for professional development. And we actually see that there's a high attendance for adjunct instructors because they appreciate the opportunity to have an opinion and to be involved in these development opportunities. So at Florida Gateway College, we have anywhere from four to 10 faculty members out of 70. So it's a pretty decent percentage of our overall full-time faculty who attend these events and get the knowledge directly, but then they are able to share that knowledge with other members within their disciplines. And we are also sending emails out to faculty with some of the tidbits that we learn from these meetings in case they can't attend, because that's a hard part for us to schedule these meetings because it's impossible to find a time of day where everybody is available. It's not like we work nine to five. So we want to be able to make this information as accessible as possible to those who could not attend. And those individuals are having a chance to be impacted as well through the YouTube channel and through the knowledge that I'm learning from the presenters, as well as those fellow faculty members. I would add to that that through the coffee shop, we are broadening development and supporting good teaching, which is in turn supporting the student experience. And the students are what we're all about. So if we can open up that conversation, not all faculty can commit to the full, even the micro-credential or the full credentials, but they can commit to an hour, an hour and a half conversation on good teaching and get some ideas from their colleagues whether they're internal or from other institutions. And our goal is that that in turn turns around and becomes good teaching and ultimately a good experience for the students in terms of learning and moving along on their path. It's definitely the vision of where I wanted it to go for Indian River State College and providing faculty at that institution an opportunity to engage in these robust conversations and to hear from colleagues across the country. And I think it's doing just that. So really excited about the opportunity for Indian River State College. One of the nice things about having each of your institutions participate in AQ, I think, is that all the participants or all the presenters have this common base of core concepts and knowledge of effective teaching practices that might not have been the same knowledge base if each institution was doing their own professional development. Has that helped provide a more uniform language or a more uniform framework to make it easier to share these professional development activities? I think it has. The presenters come in and we also are careful to poll our audience to make sure that we know who's with us because you don't have to be an AQ alumna to join the conversation. So we want to make sure that we're not using too many words like exit ticket and fishbowl. We need to explain it. And we prep our baristas to be able to explain it, knowing that some of our participants may not have gone through the AQ learning experience. But I definitely feel that having that common language is powerful at an institution. And everyone in the coffee shop is either an AQ facilitator or has gone through the AQ program. So we, as a group, we have that experience to know what specific topic or area of AQ that we want other faculty members to know. 
So we always wrap up by asking, what's next? For us as a coffee shop team, we'll be using the summer to look back and look forward. We're going to hit a pause after our next espresso lunch and learn and reflect and look at the data and our feedback. We moved very quickly over the year with eight webinars and two lunch and learns in an academic year. And we met in September. (laughs) It was ambitious and it was fun. And we pivoted and grew quickly from one webinar to the next. We would make changes and we got better. We know that we got better, but it's time to take a breath, take a good look at what we've accomplished and do some planning for the next year. So it's a little bit more strategic and we're more proactive in our approach. So as I had mentioned, We started off in this pilot phase, and now we're starting to branch out because we realize that we have a really good product. So now that we have a really good product, we need to have a good digital presence. So part of that is, as we continue to grow as a unit, we need to have a place where people who want to learn more about us or want to know information about prior sessions, that they have a specific landing spot. So we're kicking around the idea of a website, perhaps a Facebook group, a Twitter page. So we're looking at these options to figure out how we can expand that presence. As John said earlier, all we have right now is our YouTube channel but we're wanting to figure out what other means of communication can we take advantage of to really expand our footprint. For those who are interested in the coffee shop itself, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can find the contact information for each of us. So you can send a note to us if you're interested in learning more about the coffee shop since we don't have that digital presence established. Perhaps if they're interested in being attendees or participants, if they're AQ trained, we're going to welcome you with our arms open. The what next for me, I think my colleagues nailed it here with the what next for the coffee shop. We really poured our hearts into this this past year. We all added this on top of the jobs that we were already doing, and this takes a lot of work to do what we're doing, and there's five of us. But we're no different than any other organization that needs to be thinking about a continuous improvement plan. So we're at that spot where what is next? What do we need to do? What do we need to reflect on? Where do we need to build? And Margaret and Brandon very clearly articulated some areas that we need to look at and to think about moving forward. We want to make sure that we're not missing anything, any opportunities for faculty and supporting them. And I will say I'm pivoting into a new position and working with AQ. So I'm going to have a little bit of a different role. But what is next for me, something else that I had just started to get involved with was a national teaching and learning consortium that I had mentioned earlier with Dr. Michelle Cantu at Wilson at San Jacinto Community College in Texas. And I'd like to go ahead and get our group merged with her group and to continue these conversations. And while the coffee shop is more about supporting faculty, the TLC, the Teaching and Learning Consortium, would be more about supporting us and what we can do to help each other. So my what's next is in three different phases here. The what next as it relates to the coffee shop, the what's next for me with AQ, and the what's next for me with the TLC. But I think we've got a lot of great things going on and excited about moving forward. We look forward to sharing what you have coming up and make sure we have the link to the YouTube page in the show notes.
Thank you guys for having us. This has been wonderful. Thank you. It's great talking to you. We've really loved the AQ program on our campus, and it's nice to see some of the benefits of that being shared more broadly through the coffee shop. Well, we will make certain that you guys get the invite to our coffee shops and our espresso shops. We look forward to it. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast service. To continue the conversation, join us on our Tea for Teaching Facebook page. You can find show notes, transcripts, and other materials on teafortteaching.com. Music by Michael Gary Brewer.